1: It's Friday, March 13th, the year is 2020, you're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, down there in Orlando, Florida, he is the one in charge of keeping us on the rails today, he's got a busy calendar, but this is his top priority, I've been (laughs) assured, it's our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. Uh, meanwhile, up there in Loveland, Virginia, he does not have a busy day today, he, he, he hasn't turned on the news for a week, so he, he is, he's blissfully, he's, he's really excited that it's Friday today, it's our friend Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. <laughs> and uh, it, hey, we had such a good time that we, we couldn't say no again, uh, we, we wanted to welcome back our friend, uh, author, speaker, Kristen Howerton. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? Oh,
0: Interesting, interesting question. Yeah, can we just take a little <laughs> at the top of the podcast?
1: Should we just, should we kind of get some of this out of the way? It's been a weird. Yeah, week. well,
0: let's let's do this real quick, Kristen. Real quick, I have in my hand a copy oh, of your book that is coming out in June people can pre-order now rage against the minivan people definitely need to check this out it is awesome i was super stoked when this showed up in the mail and then tyler also later on the show eugene cho we we have uh to talk about he's got a new book that just came out thou shall not be a jerk a christian's guide to engaging politics but yeah i think (laughs) we we were just kind of chit-chatting uh all three of us before or all four of us before there i feel like we should probably just start with the the kind of elephant in the room here and talk about uh what a crazy week this has been. Right. I mean, there's no other way to kind of say it. I feel like everywhere you go, everyone's sort of having a variation of the same conversation. Um, but man, it really is a, you know, we're recording this on Friday and the way the last couple of days have gone, who knows when people listen to this on Saturday or Sunday or Monday, what will have changed, how the world will look different. Um, but I don't know about you guys but I remember I was I was in I was 18 years old on 9/11 and I remember that day and I remember the feeling and I remember the anxiety and I remember the fear and then I remember watching basketball on Wednesday night and watching players run off the court and all of a sudden you know it seemed like it, within the, the, a matter of you know, a few hours, something that was sort of a news story that people were aware of. but might have been sort of on their peripheral, the the spread of the coronavirus globally. All of a sudden, it became very, very real. And it looked like yeah. it, there were going to be some dramatic changes in the world. Kristen, where were you earlier this week when it seemed like, oh, man, this is this is something to, we really need to be concerned about?
2: Well, I was on Twitter like a normal human. <laughs> no. um, <laughs> but it, de- it does feel... What's different? Cause I agree there. Um, there is that sense of like, wow, things are really like things are really getting real. Like there was around 9 11, but you know, back then we didn't have the connectivity that we do today. And so I do feel like myself and a lot of other people were sort of hanging online. Like it's, it's yeah. almost like we don't know what's happening, but we want to connect with other people and we want to hear what other people are thinking. But I think it was. I think it was Wednesday night when really it was like that's when Tom Hanks got it. That's when things started getting canceled, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is no longer a thing that's happening to other people. This is happening to us."
1: Uh, it seems like there's been it's one of those things where there's been a I don't I wouldn't call it a false alarm because I think that anytime there's something like this, it's smart for people to take it seriously. But you hear about potential pandemics a lot and they they miss you or they don't end up being that big of a you know that big of a deal because there's a, a rally from the medical community and the and the government and, and to try to contain it as fast as possible and it ends up being it's easy to write those off as kind of uh, as people being overly concerned or, or hyping it too big, and certainly there can be an inflamed media narrative around some of these things. I don't dismiss that, but also I think that speaks generally to how well prepared uh, people tend to be, and, and the medical professionals are to try to get ahead of these things when possible. And for multifarious reasons, that just wasn't a possibility.
0: Yeah. It's also, I feel like it's also kind of, Kristen, kind of leaning on something you were saying that like instantly felt like, oh, you know, this is a problem that a lot of other places in the world uh, have dealt with. But now we are experiencing it. And even that is sobering to be like, you know, it's easy to ignore problems when it feels like it. it is just facing other people far away in cultures that we don't fully, you know, maybe appreciate or, or understand. And that's a sobering thing, too. That, that's kind of a wake up call from all of this is we should be just as concerned when something like this hits another country or another community as totally when it hits in our own backyard. And I think that's some that's kind of a takeaway I've had, too. It's like, oh, man, it was a real you know, conviction of like, oh, man, I should be this concern for other people. But now that it's, you know, in, in our own backyard, now it really feels real. That, that, that's something that I've kind of been wrestling with too. Is, mm. is, it? it's put a perspective on how it, lack of a, my emotional investment in some of these global issues that I probably should feel more emotions for.
2: Well, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting when, when you look at what's happening across the world, um, I think that there are a lot of Americans, and, and I think you know there's many things that are great about Americans being so individualistic. You know, we mm-hmm. um, we we're, were the pioneers, or you know, we we sort of see mm. ourselves as these very you know indivi- yeah. totally the cowboy thing, and. While I'm sure there's some advantages to that, you know, we are a more individualistic society than many. And, and we tend not to look at things from a collectivist standpoint. We tend to look at, if it's not affecting me, I'm cool. And the thing is, the response to this really needs to be collectivist. Like It, it yeah. has to be everyone saying, even though I may be young, I don't have risk factors, I'm not worried that I'm going to die of coronavirus. I'm going to be responsible, knowing that I could then spread it to someone who would. And I think that's been a real shift and a real yeah. like mindset change for a lot of Americans, moving from just thinking about how this affects me to I actually have to think about how this affects society. I mm-hmm. have to give some things up. I, you know, like I may not get to go to my Raging Against the Machine show that I sat online for an <laughs> hour getting good seats to, you <laughs> <That's> know. <heartbreaking. laughs>
1: That's a heartbreaker. Um,
2: for example, I don't know. Um but you know there but there's big and small losses and inconveniences for everybody. S- you know, kids are having graduation canceled, but it's like I don't know, it's it's weird in a way. It it feels like my faith in humanity is being a little restored as I see people going, "Okay, we're going to do this. Like we're going to give stuff up to make sure that other people are healthy."
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good. It's a good sort of reframe because it, it can feel very ominous to see the pictures of mm-hmm. empty airport terminals and uh, and, and basketball state. Like that's a very kind of chilling. Uh, it looks very post apocalyptic, very like something out of a McCarthy novel. Yeah. But that's actually that that's social solidarity. That's that's thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people making the right call for the benefit of their yeah. friends, their loved ones, and, and total strangers who they who they know need our help in protecting them and it's a very like you said chris and it's a very i think christian mindset to yeah. to literally lay down your life for the sake of other people to yeah. to sacrifice to show sacrificial love for those you don't know who will never have a chance to say thank you to you uh on the uh for for the hope that you can protect them and uh i i'm like you i i think it's Obviously, uh there's a lot of chill in the air when you see those things and it's easy to feel like you're watching a zombie movie, but it's also from a certain perspective a, a very beautiful attitude that's being yeah. manifested mass scale. Yeah. Yeah, be, be,
0: because I think a, as of now, you know, I think a lot of people are aware that it's very unlikely that they personally will, you know, have really severe consequences, even if they contract this virus, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we we understand that, you know, 80% of the cases, the symptoms remain mild. And in the other 20%, most of those, the, the fatality rate remains, you know, very low. But and I think I, this is anecdotal, but just from my kind of friends, family and neighbors, there aren't a lot of people among them who are personally concerned about what would happen if they got this illness. The concern is everyone knows someone that, you know, maybe have a condition that their immune system is slightly more compromised or is Mm -hmm. elderly or has underlying conditions. And like you guys were saying, I think that's what's been kind of cool to see is that everyone's concern is shifting to those people. You know, we, we know yeah. as of now, it seems like this virus, it doesn't it's not it doesn't really affect children too badly. It's it's it, you know, if you're reasonably young and healthy, it seems like that's something that's very manageable. But I think everyone's concern has shifted to, OK, how can we help the people that may not have the same, you know, in this case, privileges, it's, it's a health privilege to be young and, and and healthy. How, what can we do to help them? And I, and I hope that stays the focus because the, 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 where I think these things turn is when people get overly concerned about, you know, you know, kind of, siloing up their own loved ones at the expense of others. You know, you saw it when some people, I think it's a natural reaction to be like, Oh, I got to go buy all the Purell I can so that I don't run out. But, or like I got to order, you know, surgical mask or whatever. But then when you really think about it, it's like, okay, Maybe that's not the right mindset. Maybe there are actual medical professionals that could benefit from those surgical masks rather than me just walking around the house with them and just like taking a proper attitude <laughs> to keep, to keep. Not that I've been doing that. Yeah, I, to say, I yeah. do. Yeah. To be fair, I do that whenever I go on an ER bench. Okay, it helps yeah. me get into it.
2: So but it seems like you're at home and you were wearing one when we started the recording. So yeah. I was on an today. ER bench. I took. I took a
0: break. Okay. I've been, I've, I'm, just, I'm on, there it was are really to I, be at
2: first <laughs> i'm back in like a really a
0: really interesting mcsteamy arc and it just helps if i have the mask on okay. to get into the show i'm glad no, you clarified that do think <laughs> but i do think those attitudes are beginning to shift where it's like okay y- you know this is about helping others not get this virus not just how can i you know protect my own little tribe you know
1: yeah, and I and I think that that's a a attitude that will hopefully spread, but it's it because it, it will take a a lo- a lot of solidarity for this to make a real dent. It's uh, we, we there can't be too many weak links in the chain I, I saw did you see did you all see that video go? it was on Twitter video going around of the of a there was a Post Malone show in Denver last night at Pepsi Arena it was it was packed to the to the roof it was uh, oh, all the way wow. up, which is like not a great not a, and there was like obviously all sorts of like well you know they're young they're kid well it doesn't matter like they're not the, the Post Malone fans are not generally in the the 80 year old age demographic but that's the <laughs> issue that we're going to have to get I saw
0: saw some 80-year-olds with face tats that said, always tired, (laughs) at our big post Malone fans, and they were wise enough to steer clear. (laughs) I think
2: it's going to be a, you know, for some people, I I think, and, and, you know, this is sad to say, but, you know, do we just, as Americans as a whole have not been super concerned with social justice issues. And this is at the end of the day, not to be too preachy, but it is a social justice issue to say, you know, I'm not going to get infected. Not, not because it's, you know, I'm concerned for myself, but I'm concerned for someone else. And, you know, it's it to me, it is a little bit similar of like, you know, people watching young black men being shot at a higher rate. And even if they don't have a black son, being concerned that this is happening, even though it's no. not happening to the majority of people or not happening to them, but still being concerned or being concerned that there's kids in cages, even though there's no chance of my kids going to be in a cage, but I still am concerned. You know, I, I just, I think shifting that mindset in our country is hard. And I think it's going to, it's going to be a little bit of a slow drip. Like, I think it's interesting where I look online to see where people stand on everything. Like, I feel like on Twitter, everyone's like, we've got to rally and do this together. Right. And then on Facebook, some people are saying that, but then you've got (laughs) a couple people saying like, everybody's just freaking out. Just I'm just going to live my life. And then I go to like next door (laughs) or my neighborhood (laughs) Facebook page. And it's like, this is all fake news. They're trying to make Trump look bad, you know? So I don't know. I think I think it's going to take some time for everyone to kind of come to the same page. And I think there's a lot of us that have taken it upon ourselves to kind of like, you know, I don't know, share with our community, maybe like (laughs) links and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, rationale, you know, trying to convince maybe our Fox news watching relatives, like maybe we should take this seriously and do this for each other. Like, I think we're all sort of collectively trying to educate each other of like why we have to do this. And I, and I think that
0: shift is it's weird how th- this week has like evolved more rapidly. Like there were like on Thursday, oh, it was like, so I woke fast. up, we woke up in a di- literally like, it felt like we woke up in a different world, a different reality. Yeah. And I, and I've even seen the attitude shift and there was a. Tyler, you wrote a great response uh, and a piece on the site that has been being passed around quite a bit. And there's a pastor, it's not worth, you know, kind of naming names because I'm sure he's, his mindset has shifted as a lot of people has, as the, you know, this virus has sort of come to our shores, but on, I want to say it was like on Monday, maybe he had posted a video where he addressed his, his followers and, um, you know, and, and basically said, hey, everyone, stop freaking out. You're going to be just fine. This is only a disease that affects the elderly and people with mm-hmm. compromise the immune oh. system. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to be just really fine. And then and then he ends the video with someone in a hazmat suit walking up to him and handing him a Corona beer. And as like the last gag, he takes oh, it oh yeah. and, and, and starts drinking it. and. Yeah. You know, and it was like, well, yeah, maybe this does mainly affect the elderly and and people with compromised immune system. But that's the point. We're called to care for the least of these in in our society. And in this case, the people who, you know, are, you know, the least of these in in the sense that they're the most vulnerable. And, you know, that should be the rallying cry, not that, hey, don't worry, everyone but these people. Well, what about the elderly people in his church? What about the elder, what about the families in his church that maybe have a child that has, you know, some sort of health issue that they're at a particular risk? Even, Even, you know, it's like that is cause for concern. It's like, I, yeah. we, the attitude should be, well, I wish this would only affect healthy people and not the people who are already vulnerable, you know? And, and I, and he did take down the video and he posted another one, which is only honestly kind of marginally better, but <laughs> yeah, the, be a at, huge the, the, the attitude I do think is shifting to being like, no, just, just to be like, well, I'm not going to sweat it because I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties and you know, I, I'm, I'm fine. That's the wrong approach. We really need to be concerned. Like you said, Kristen, this is a social justice issue. This is a, this is a time for the church to, to, to really kind of put its money where its mouth is in a big way and say, Absolutely. how are we going to help people? How are we going to use the gospel to propel to, convince people to do the right thing here. It's it's a real opportunity. I'm kind of nervous to see how it goes, but, but like you were saying, uh, Kristen, there are communities out there with, uh, online and, and networks of people who do seem pretty uh, intent on doing the right thing here.
2: There are, but I will say I was very dismayed, like a couple of my local mega churches were pretty late to cancel things mm-hmm. and, and really only did so when our governor forced them to. Um, and then even after mm. that, they're like, OK, well, everybody get together in homes, like reach out to each other and let's all do home churches and we'll live stream. And it's just like, dude, no. How about everybody just stay in your own house? Like, let's take, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. like, I have been a little frustrated with what I have observed from just the, you know, the small amount of churches in my community that I follow on Instagram. I just, I don't know if churches, they should, I feel like churches should be on the front line of doing this kind of education and, you know, social responsibility modeling. I don't think they're there. Some of them, not all. And, and, yeah. and even at
0: my church last Sunday and last Sunday, again, seems like a different reality than right now. It was. Know? To be fair, mm-hmm. it was. And, 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 but but I mean, even then, I think and, and, and you know, all of us had the benefit of I feel like we're pretty well informed people professionally. You know, we all write professionally. People look to us for opinions and, and, and you know, are involved in, you know, and that's on you all. Yeah. And we no, and journalism. And stuff. So, so, so like, I remember being at church last Sunday and, you know, during the meet and greet time, you know, between, uh, you know, worship and, and, and preparing for the mm-hmm. sermon, they were like, don't shake hands. But then when it came time, and I know this is probably a sensitive topic, but it, you know, it came time for communion and the way that the church that I go to, the tradition that they do is you go and you receive a wafer from, an elder, and then you all dip it in a common chalice mm. and you take the wafer. And obviously that is not the most sanitary approach. If you're looking to prevent the spread of germs, all dipping, you know, yeah, uh, no dipping. wafer. Yeah. With, with your bare hands that was given to you with someone else's bare hands who touched everything else. Like and and I made the decision to, I just told my wife, I was like, hey, listen, I don't think. We can do communion when we get home and I'm not, and and I believe God protects, but I also believe he gives us wisdom. And, and too, like, I, I guess people who are non who are maybe Catholic and believe in transfiguration, I I don't really fully understand the theology of that, of th- believing that a supernatural occurrence happens, you know, when you actually put the, the wafer and the wine into your mouth, that it actually becomes the blood and body of, of Christ. I, I don't know the implications for that theology, but I do know for my, you know, you know, Protestant theology, it's Mm -hmm. largely a symbolic act. And I don't think God is going to be angry. If he's, if you use your discernment to be like, you know what, I might do this a different way. And that goes for any tradition, like, like attending a church in a room with 500 people, it might be time to be like, okay, God, I'm going to ask for a little grace here. And we might just do church online this week, you know?
1: Yeah. and it's always important to remember that that you know we don't go to church; we are the church, and these are very basic yeah. theological things that we all know. And that not attending a Sunday service, I was glad to see uh, the, the church I've been going to here uh, called off Sunday services throughout the rest of the month, at least. And and uh, I would encourage uh, some of the. I know there's a lot. of can be a lot of complications, and it can be more difficult than it sounds. Uh, to to cancel church sometimes for some of our, uh, for some of the pastors and church leaders who are listening here. But it seems to me from my vantage point where I'm sitting right now as a non-medical expert, that it is the the right call. And if you, if you find some novel ways to continue getting people together in a, some sort of virtual setting, uh, from their homes, then, uh, I'd be interested to hear how that's going right? we'd be, we'd be interested to hear some of those cool stories. Um, so that that is, the, the the virus will come up again throughout the rest of this podcast. We don't want to spend the entire time on it. But like we said, we don't want to ignore it either because I'm sure it's something that everybody's thinking about. And by the time you hear this, who knows how outdated our takes yeah. here are going to be. I mean, <laughs> yeah. This is a very fast moving thing. So, <laughs> so take it all with a grain of salt, especially if things have changed a lot over the course of editing this podcast together. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're doing the hot list. Stay with us. Do you figure me for kind of a uh, a chef, a foodie, a, uh, a man about the kitchen?
0: I'll be honest. I typically do not. Unless you have <laughs> some assistance, I typically would not picture you as someone who will be on a future season of Chef's Table.
1: Well, I'll probably be on Chef's table. I like the. I like here's the here's the thing. I like I like cooking, except for like the cooking part of it. Like, yeah, I like the feeling of like putting everything into the bowl and yeah. mixing it up and seeing what comes out of it. Yeah. But it, that's the only part of cooking that I like, and I definitely don't like the like go to the store part of it and yeah. having to spend like thirty dollars for some sort of tin of spice that you need a teaspoon of and will never and will rot in your cellar for the rest of your life. And I
0: and I refuse. Use self checkout, and as all these grocery stores <laughs> move to self checkouts, another reason I don't want any—I don't want any part of a store in my grocery experience. <laughs> I, Tyler, I wish there was a product that would come directly to well, your, well, your this house. Is, well,
1: this is why it is—it's uh, it, worth. This worked really well for me. So, HelloFresh takes out. It, it's exactly what I want out of the cooking experience and no more. And so it sends me everything I need. So I don't have to worry about finding time for the store or dealing with confusing measurements. It's all pre-packaged and the right measurements. So you can just dump it in. I can just do the fun part and then I get to enjoy healthy, delicious meals. You can break out of your dinner rut too with HelloFresh's over 22 seasonal chef curated recipes each week. There's really something for everyone. There is including low calorie, there's vegetarian, there's family friendly recipes every week. Now, me, when they gave me a little sample of this, I made delicious Gouda burgers and fries that were very good. Wow. I made some cheesy beef tostadas. They were also excellent. And even a chicken pasta dish. It was a huge hit in my household. I didn't tell anybody that I had some help in this one. They just thought I was a great <laughs> <help too. laughs>
0: Well, I'm I'm legit getting hungry right oh, yeah, now. <laughs> I'm getting
1: hungry, too. I can't wait to try it again. Uh, it really did save a lot of time. Uh, I, I didn't have to worry about like meal planning and prepping. I just got to enjoy cooking and guiding getting dinner on the table didn't even take me 30 minutes Uh, you can even do 20 minutes they have these uh, these quick these quick recipe options that you can really cut down on time if you're pressed Uh, and it's really and this is really important to to a lot of our listeners sustainable too I'm not wasting a lot of food and ingredients for just one special dish even the packaging that HelloFresh uses to ship the food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content their carbon footprint is actually 25% lower than store. About grocery meals, so you're you're eating wow. good meals and you're doing something good for the environment too, which is nice. Uh, and it is, and this is a big one. It's flexible; you can change your delivery days or your food preferences. You can skip a week if you need to, if you're heading out of town for a little bit. No, no problem, no questions asked. And right now, relevant podcast listeners can get a special deal. You can get ten free meals along with free wow. shipping with a purchase. Just use relevant ten to get ten free meals, including shipping, with HelloFresh. Go to www.hellofresh.com slash relevant 10 once again use code relevant and the number 10 to get 10 free meals including free shipping at www.hellofresh.com slash relevant 10 Jesse you got to go right now you got to get on it
0: 10 free meals that is seriously a very very generous uh, deal. I'm so all over so it
1: I can't wait I'm going to get more of those <laughs> cheesy beef <laughs> tostadas in me At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Kawasaki backflip by Dogleg.
0: (laughs) Kristen, don't you think he makes half these up? (laughs)
2: Uh-huh.
1: I do, <laughs> I do. I just use a, I, I just mean, use a word generator and then it I send Chandler like on a wild goose chase. <laughs> it, because
0: because I mean, Chris, you just bought tickets to a Rage Against the Machine show. I I do this part, You know, I, I'm part of a, a culture magazine. It seems like we're two people who are relatively in tune to good music. Kawasaki backflip by a band called Dog Lake just sounds fake. I think it he does. I think he just. Made
1: it's a, I just like I just like to send Chandler out running around for this music that doesn't. exist <laughs> I just like to hear. I just enjoy. I enjoy the hunt. I cause trouble. <laughs> All right, time for our weekly look back at our top five stories at the intersection of faith and culture that came this week. It's time for. It's the list, The list. It's sizzling. All right, number five this week. Uh, back up. Back on this beat. Bethel Church is advising faith healers to stay away from local hospitals. Okay, so Bethel Church. One of the largest institutions in Northern California is advising its own members to take strict precautions in the coming weeks and months, including advising its members to stay away from local hospitals to stop the common Bethel practice of offering to lay hands on sick people and pray for healing. Aaron Tassaro, the church spokesman, explained, quote, Through email communications, signage, and church announcements, we are actively encouraging health practices and precautions to our whole community. We believe that wisdom, modern medicine, and faith are meant to work together and express the value for each in the pursuit of continued health and healing. As the Sacramento Bee notes, plenty of critical skeptics have enjoyed the irony of a church opting out of offering to heal sick people during a global health emergency. Bethel Church was sort of caught in a no-win PR situation where they would have fielded criticism no matter their official response to sorrow says the church sees a balance between bold faith and precautions he said quote healing happens but it's foolish to take unnecessary risks with your health and the health of others though we believe in a god who actively heals today students are not being encouraged to visit healthcare settings at this time and moreover are taught that even under normal circumstances they must receive permission from both the facility and the individual before engaging in prayer the- all right, <laughs> Th- there's a there's a lot to unpack here, and I want there's a lot
0: there. And, and, and here's the specific question: I I want to hear both of your opinions. And, and Kristen, maybe we can start with you. I have a conflicted, somewhat conflicted relationship with healing. I believe God can do whatever He wants, and and I believe it is good to pray for people. Who are, but not just pray for them, to, to help heal them in a variety of ways. And if God wants to supernaturally heal them, I believe he can. I also understand the wisdom and the discretion that they're exercising here. And I think it's wise. I guess the only, the, my question for you guys is like, you know, in the Bible, Jesus intentionally went and and went and ministered among lepers, people who had a very contagious disease of the time that a lot of people were afraid of. And I, I guess like part of what I've been thinking about, especially when I read this story, is obviously I agree with him that it's probably better to not do this practice right now. But then I read that Bible story and I'm like I, I don't know. Do I really believe the Bible? Like, do I really believe in, in, in that Jesus, you know, because if I was, if I was a follower of Jesus back then, I'd be like, Hey dude, it's probably putting the community at risk ministering to to lepers. What, Kristen, let me start with you. What's your kind of response to this story, especially kind of in light of a parallel situation that we read about in the gospel.
2: Yeah. You know, I will, I will say this. I think that, um, there is an opportunity to kind of snark on Bethel of like, oh, you guys thought, you know, you could heal people and now you can't or, you know, I even, I think, saw some memes about like them, you know, sending people away from their healing rooms. Um, but I want to say, I, I do think this is the right thing for Bethel to do. And I think it was probably a hard call because they probably knew they'd get some of that criticism yeah. or the cynicism around that. But I think it was I think it was the responsible call. Um, you know, and I think that this is this is a situation as, you know, as this virus kind of takes hold um, in our country, we're going to know people that are affected by this. And this is one of those situations that I think can really be a test of faith. Because if you have grown up in a religious tradition, where, you know, and a lot of us have, whether whether it was Im- implicitly stated, or just sort of you know, implied. Um, a lot of us grew up in a religious tra- tradition that said, if you pray with enough faith, God will heal you. And mm-hmm. I don't believe that that is true. Um, I've had situations in my own life um, where I've, you know, lost pregnancies and laid prostrate on the floor. And, you know, that yeah. healing hasn't come, or I've had a friend with cancer who was so full of faith. And, you know, and so I think it's, it's, these are difficult times because, You know, I think God can heal, but I also think He doesn't always. I mean, it's interesting. My kids just watched a movie last weekend called Breakthrough. It's a Christian movie. You know, a kid falls through the ice and they get enough people to pray for him and he wakes up and like, I feel like at the end of the movie, I had to sit my kids down and be like, that can happen. And then sometimes amazing, faithful people can have terrible things happen to them and God is still good and God is still real, you know? Um and I think that this is going to be one of those testing spots, like situations, yeah. because, you know, I, I don't, I is God going to come in and sweep this whole thing out? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think so. Um, so there's going to be a lot of loss and I don't think we can pray the, this whole thing away.
0: Yeah, it, it, Christian, it, it kind of reminds me of like the Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. I think I got them right. I think I got those three. <laughs> yeah, so. right.
2: you, you just sing I mean, the song to make sure uh,
0: you're getting yeah, it this, correct. Yeah. 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 That, that, this next song is by Kawasaki Flip by Shadrach, Meshach,
3: and Abednego. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> no, but, but it's like, you know, where, where they look at the, 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 the ruler who threw them into the fiery furnace and it says, our God will deliver us. But, even Even if he doesn't, we won't. And and I think that's sort of the attitude whether we have to have when it comes to something like healing is like, look, this isn't a deal breaker here. God's still God. It's just, he, he, he will either choose to do this or he won't. But even if he doesn't, even if his choice isn't what I want it to be, will we still serve? And I think that's sort of the, the approach that it, that, that we need to take. But I do think Bethel made the right decision here in, 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 you know, kind of just taking the advisement of the medical community and, it doesn't mean you can't pray for people who are suffering. It just means, you know, you maybe, should. I, ho- I hope people are. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. From your home. I'm, sure,
1: I'm sure Bethel is. I, yeah. I, yeah. If I know yeah. anything about that church, they, they are still there. Those are, that's a praying church up there. And, yeah. uh, just because they're not doing it in, in the hospitals doesn't change that. Yeah. 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 Um, Number four this week. (laughs) This is a, it feels weird. It it feels weird (laughs) to tell anything about coronavirus, but we have a couple that are non coronavirus. This is a shift. Uh, Motley Crue. Drummer Tommy Lee <laughs> had a very intense, inspirational message for David Crowder. Okay, so a week what? after posting, yeah, uh, this is a, buckle up. This, this, this is a palate cleanser,
3: okay?
2: This is
1: an ongoing, this is a developing story, I think. <laughs> oh, uh, the world's so, still turning out there. Yeah. <laughs> so a week after, the last week, I think we talked about this, uh, after posting a bizarre message After David Crowder on social media posted a bizarre message from Gary Busey in which Busey pled for David Crowder to return his phone call, Crowder has shared another video message. This one is from Tommy Lee. In it, Lee asks Crowder to stop texting him and offers a profanity-laced pep talk. It's very strange. Here is a bleeped clip. Yo, Crowder, stop texting me, dude. For real. I get it, bro. Listen, Mondays are the worst. But you're the best, and you got it. You got this, shit, dude.
0: Your boy is here to motivate you, man. Remember, remember when we bought the whole
1: Taco Bell menu?
0: That shit was eternal. This week is yours, dude. Go get it, champ. What's up?
1: So now it's possible, obviously, that Crowder has a group of semi-celebrity best friends who regularly send him video messages. Uh, it's also possible, I dare say even likely, that Cameo... Uh, the service that lets you pay to have various celebrities leave you custom um. video messages is being used here, as sort of a meta prank. I would say that's possible as well. I uh, it seems. Do you think Crowder? Do you think Crowder's is like paying them himself or other people? I don't are? know. Or is he using? I don't know. what's going Kristen. On. Have you
0: ever, Have you ever met David Crowder?
2: I'm trying to think if I have. It's It's likely um, mm-hmm. because I have a friend who used to um, produce his shows, but. I want to say, didn't David Crowder do an odd tour last year that was like really off with mm-hmm. um, Franklin Graham? I want to say. Oh, Am I- yeah,
1: I forgot. He, I and- think he did. I think him. I think he like was at least part, maybe either an event. It might, yeah. it might not have been a tour. Yeah. It might have been like a one-day situation.
2: I just remember. I I always liked Dave Crowder, and I just remember he's a good musician. L- last year, being like, oh, like <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and,
0: and I think, and this isn't me. <laughs> trust me, this is not me defending Franklin Graham. <laughs> I don't want. Let me go on record. Oh, okay. We've got
2: a Franklin. <laughs> no, round no, round no. And, let loud me go and clear, on Jesse. record without
0: an I Franklin I, Graham it, apologist. It, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I but but I I think. From 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 my understanding, slightly, and this isn't an excuse for David Crowder still, you, you know, uh, giving his support even just by by proxy to 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 Graham after some of the many many inflammatory things Franklin Graham has said, and it, it was our reporting earlier that calls Franklin Graham, you know, there's a little behind the scenes here. Samaritan First had been a sponsor, uh, had or an advertiser relevant for years. But in the in, you know since he started saying inflammatory things and we started rightly, I feel like rightly reporting on it, they severed their relationship, their advertising relationship with us. And so, um, so I want to kind of put that out there that I don't, I, I think there are certainly times to hold his feet to the fire. But I, but I think I, from my understanding, Crowder had a pre-existing relationship with Graham centered around Samaritan's Purse. Um and okay. and, the, and the work they do now, I'm not saying that's an excuse to not be like, hey, dude, if you're gonna say insane stuff on you know that's inflammatory, that I, I should distance myself. I think you probably should, but I, I do think, uh, I, I do think they had some manner of pre-existing relationship based around the the, the work of Samaritan's uh, uh purse. But I also say David Crowder is one of the weirdest, like, kind of moving he's targets, and yes. like
1: he's a weird guy, in, in like okay. In, in, Would say it would say this to his face.
2: Yeah, I I found it. Here's what it was. It was Franklin Graham's Decision America Northeast tour Mm, that Dave Crowder was on, and it was it was political.
0: Oh, wait. Okay. it's like what's the decision <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I'm, I'm not going to agree I'm with it I'm yeah. i guess it, yes. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's for the man that God yeah. has appointed I don't know if you've heard
1: for God's special boy
2: yes God's <laughs> God's special <laughs> problematic boy <laughs> but here's what here's the thing
0: maybe he is just kind of like doing kind of weird you know prank videos with cameo and has just chosen Gary Busey and Tommy Lee because there's so much time.
1: Yeah. yeah, two random but dudes. it
0: also it also wouldn't surprise. I think I feel like that's more plausible than than what I'm going to yeah, suggest. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's completely outside the realm of of plausibility that David Crowder is the type of guy who counts among his friends, both Franklin Graham and like Louis Giglio as well. You know, he go because he goes he was involved with Passion City as well as Tommy Lee and Gary Busey. If Crowder was oh, legitimately no. friends with all of those people, that that's would not grand. shock me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. totally on brand. I mean, all th- you know, Tommy Lee, Gary Busey, and Dave Crowder—all if you saw them on the street, you might think they were homeless. So they do all <laughs> have that in point. common. <laughs>
1: that's a good point. They all have the that's same hard. energy, the same, chaotic, same energy, the same chaotic sure. neutral energy that, that anything could happen. Any of these guys can do mm-hmm. anything from yeah. commit a, a crime in public. To to, to an act of heroism that we would not
0: believe, you know, Uh, (laughs) if they all possess some weird superhuman ability, it wouldn't shock me all that much, you know, they got this kind of squirrely, hard to pin down energy that
1: I just think they're buds. That's my, that's
0: what I think they are too.
2: I think they're weirdo buds. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they, Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee is somebody that I used to see around back in the Lincoln, Nebraska days, because he was filming a reality, his reality TV show, Tommy Lee Goes to College, in which oh he became a student <laughs> at the University forget? of Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, and got like lived in the dorm, had a roommate and just walked around college and then you'd see him out in the at the nightlife doing the, the hanging out with other college kids when he was probably, I don't know, in his 40s. This was a, <laughs> of course. This, this, I don't think this would happen today. I don't think yeah. this this would. You don't want yeah. Tommy Lee on your college campus. Okay. Talk okay. about I mean, no.
0: quarantine people. All right. Quick question. In in your guys' college experience, did you have like that one person in their dorms that, you know, was a college student but was in their 40s, but instead of just deciding to re-enroll to re- in school and like in an a Adult education program. They lived in the dorms. Did anyone have that? Because I had there was like a couple dudes in their 40s that were living in my dorms, like at college. And I can only imagine how weird it would be if one of those people was Tommy Lee. Like I yeah. feel like it would <laughs> radic- even if I barely ran into him, it would r- dramatically change my college experience just to know that he was president. Did you guys ever did you guys have some of those like older residents in your dorms? Students, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they were called.
2: I mean, I did, but I went to a Bible college, so these students in their forties could not have been more different than Tommy Lee. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: literally, the exact opposite in every way, Same age, uh, exact different energy, opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I had. I remember there was one guy who was who was, I don't know if he was forty, but he was definitely in his in his thirties, and he had like I, I think he had come from Israel. I think he'd fought in the army. Like he he had lived. A lot of life before he decided to come live with a bunch of 18 year olds at Moody Bible (laughs) Institute in Chicago. And I just can't imagine what it was like to be watching toilet paper pranks after having seen like people die in battle. And that must have been a very strange, (laughs) but not unwelcome. Uh, like kind of yeah. different new, we're, new phase of life
0: where Tommy Lee toilet paper pranks are like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor,
1: you I've poor, seen sweet summer children. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, wow. You drink six whole beers. Wow. <laughs> you guys are I wild. call that morning coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Number three this week, this company will pay someone a thousand dollars to watch The Office for 15 hours. Okay, I have a take on this. Uh, First of all, I'll read you the whole story. So we're approaching the 15th anniversary of the debut of The Office. And to celebrate, usdish.com is sponsoring a contest for the gig of a lifetime. One lucky winner will get $1,000, a Netflix gift card, and some Office swag in exchange for watching 15 hours of the show. From you, Dish. Quote, here's the lowdown. The person who lands the gig will have nine days to watch 15 hours of The Office. That's about 45 episodes. As you're watching, you'll need to complete a checklist that tallies the number of common tropes that occur throughout each episode. The deadline to apply for this is March 16th. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the situation. My take on this is, I know it sounds like a dream job. I know we made it sound kind of good in there. My take is that $1,000 for 15 hours of work is not a good deal. You got to know your worth in this yeah. economy. Well, drive but, up, yeah. drive up. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> submit no. to this I, sort of this like, ooh, you get to watch TV nice. for Bad 15 take. Bad hours. Take. I'm calling $1,
0: 000, you. $1, it $1,000, $1,000 isn't going to do it. I watched, do you know how many times I've watched 15 hours of the office over a course of nine days? Probably more. Than I can count. I watch The Office <laughs> all the time and I guarantee you I've watched it more. The thing, my problem is if it's a $1,000, it's going to be way harder. Okay. Listen, Kristen, I don't know if you know this about me, but a few years ago, I undertook a, a, a pop culture endurance challenge. I did
2: not know this.
0: I and and sadly, this this will be with my children. Google me. It doesn't matter what I do, unless I like
1: (laughs) run for a high political office
0: and do something crazy. This is what will come up when my children Google me later in life to to see what their father's legacy was. I listened to Nickelback for 148 hours straight (laughs) without uh, taking a break
2: on purpose.
0: On purpose, and we were and it was to raise money for charity water. Okay, okay,
2: okay that's acceptable. Yeah.
0: Because I, I didn't think it was impressive when people uh, basically, I said it by this. I didn't think it was impressive when people like, Hey, I'm going to do Kilimanjaro or run a marathon. It's like, okay, I've seen that a thousand times. Do something that's impressive. So I undertook that challenge and unfortunately, unfortunately got a lot of uncomfortable media coverage. And I had the, literally the band Nickelback very upset with me. Um, (laughs) To this day, (laughs) to this day, they're still very upset about that. joke. you You
2: guys haven't patched up.
1: No, he, and and he had some Ch- Chad Kroeger had some choice language for you, if I recall. Very right? choice he, language. He, we, on, we can't we can't repeat it on this on family radio podcast. broadcast. Yes. <laughs>
0: but uh, but the thing about this is like this is too easy. Like if you're gonna do a contest, make it hard. Make it watch only Scott's tots. Only the most cringeworthy episodes. Watch the that for 15 hours. That's <laughs> <earned> <laughs> a thousand bucks. Like yeah. just but it sounds back.
2: like there's homework involved. That part yeah. I don't like. That the part. Thing, like the the thing, we should just be able to watch it. That's yeah. your labor.
1: That's your labor. We need the people at US Dish to unionize. We need them to drive up. We need to, <laughs> I agree. To, to, tell the man. Tell the man to give you what you deserve.
2: I have to. I have to say, I agree. I agree on that. It's not enough yeah. money. <laughs> if see,
0: I, uh, see, my thing is like it's only enough money if it's harder. Like if they want to up the if they want because, like I said, fifteen hours of the office. Did you guys regular? I still regularly will fire up the sure. office. Am I alone, sure. Kristen? Do you, do you? Are you an office watcher?
2: I am, and you know, it's funny because I watched the whole thing and then I watched it again with my children. So yes, we're, we're an office family.
1: I I think that. If it was going to, the office isn't kind of an optimal show for this because you can kind of just put it on in the background. Yeah. I think that doing the writing part of it, like actually having to list out the tropes, I don't totally understand what they mean by that, but I, that seems like that would make this more of a labor than I want it to be. Whereas if it was like 15 hours of mad men or something where there's actually a lot more to analyze and dissect or or if any any one of the you know yeah. the true detective one of those shows that's got a, like a lot going on that seems like a little more of a of, a, of an easy part of, this one what are you gonna do like like <laughs> michael it? being a jerk again uh, I, don't, I don't understand the i don't understand what's i don't understand the, the what they're asking me I, to do which is why i, I want to be paid more
0: I think if this was really made interesting, it wouldn't be the office, some obscure sitcom that, you know, has 15 hours of content <laughs> that most people have forgot about, like Caroline in the city. Like, remember that, oh, remember that show? Yeah, that's like a, yeah, a yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just Deep saying, guy. just grab some rando show from like the late nineties and be like, Oh, you gotta, yeah, all right, you're, you're in for 15 hours. of Alf, or, you know, major dad, oh. major dad, Maybe about dad. A, milita- <laughs> a, a comedy about a emotionally distant military father. Enjoy 15 hours. Like that's, that's, you know, <laughs> you know, that's what I want to see. Sit him down with Coach for a while. You
1: know, <laughs> oh, fifteen hours of wings. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a theory that uh uh y- you know how uh, how every now and then like our generation or or Gen Z will kind of rediscover an old sitcom from the pet like one oh, will just yeah. pop up for no reason yeah. and all of a sudden everybody's watching it and the, I have a theory about the, that the next one is going to be I, this okay. came to me in a flash and then I woke up with this like a, a word from God who can say. I, but I think the answer is dinosaurs. I, I think that dinosaurs, <laughs> the old weird with the puppets, uh, the animatronic, no, like yeah, yeah the, the, yes. uh, the I'm the baby. I think that is going to be. It's going to have a day <laughs> before the end of the world. Uh, I think that day is coming on pretty quick. We're going to all be watching a lot of TV the over end. the next yeah. few weeks. Uh, we are. So I think, and I think dinosaurs is going to find. Find a, a season somewhere else. If I, I'm saying it now again. This is a fast You're moving situation. Into the world. <laughs> it's a good show. It's a pretty good show. It's got mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot to love there. Yeah. All right. Number two this week, we got a new look at Pixar's upcoming film about the afterlife called Soul. So Soul is the next offering from Pixar, and this one harkens from the studio's more experimental, philosophical wing. It comes from Pete Doctor. He's the guy behind Monsters Inc up and inside out. This movie looks like kind of a similarly trippy adventure through space and time that aims to stretch the bounds of children's entertainment via a surprisingly mature premise. A protagonist voiced by Jamie Foxx suddenly passes away on the best day of his life and must navigate the perils of the afterlife. Obviously, this particular look at the afterlife doesn't look overly informed by the Bible or anything, but Doctor's interest here looks more metaphoric than literal, a look not just at what happens when we die, but what makes us who we are while we're still alive. Doctor explained to Entertainment Weekly, quote, We talked to a lot of folks that represented religious traditions and cultural traditions and asked, what do you think a soul is? All of them said vaporous and ethereal and non-physical. We were like, great, how do we do this? We're used to toys, cars, things that are much more substantial and easily referenced. This was a huge challenge, but I got to say, I think the team really put some cool stuff together that's really indicative of those words, but also relatable uh that trailer is posted online and this one just i I got excited just watching it not just because of the the cool premise i'm i'm obviously interested to see what they do with this one but the visuals were so interesting and so like weird and and uh trying to illustrate something like what they're doing you couldn't ask for a better studio to try to put something like that together uh I'm, i'm excited to see where they go with this
0: kristen are you a pixar fan
2: Oh, boy. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) I got a take
1: coming. Hot take Hot take Friday.
2: You know, but it's like, it's a take that I'm a little embarrassed of. Like, this isn't one that I'm super proud of. Um, I have a hard time with movies, with talking animals, for one. Like, that's a whole thing. Okay. Um, That's
3: fine.
2: Or where it's like, I don't know, like non-human being. I don't know. Like, I never saw Inside Out. I never saw Up. Um, I probably won't see this. I just I have some weird thing where I really like realism, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I, but I like fantasy in some in some aspects. And I get really weird when the kid movies get super like existential. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, this is not your. This is not in any way, shape, or form. This a
2: is Kristen not Hallerton my movie. This is not my genre. My kids uh-huh. will watch it, and I'll. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> it was,
0: it's so funny you say that, Kristen, because like the other day, my daughter, who's four, was was using a Coco coloring book. And Coco is another Disney Pixar yeah. movie about the afterlife. Right. Yes. And, you know, she's like coloring pictures and like commenting on her favorite characters. And I'm like looking at and, and, and I, I have no like moral or, or or opposition to the film. I just was right. like. It just seemed weird. They're like, "Oh, a four-year-old is is this is the entertainment? Is about death and the afterlife?" Again, I don't. I'm not. I have no opposition to it. It's just like I don't
2: either. I I I just have some. There is some weird like glitch in me this is completely personal my kids love these movies i just i've always and i've been like this since i was a child i didn't watch cartoons as a child i was very uncomfortable with tom and jerry when the anvil (laughs) fell on someone i was just like i'm out i'm out i can't (laughs) i can't handle it
0: (laughs) here here's here's one question i have for you though Kristen, because you say that realism is the barrier like the lack of realism is part of the barrier but aren't you a fan of musical theater like of, of stories of stories that are perpetuated <laughs> <Yeah>. by people <laughs> randomly song, breaking song into song like conflicts are resolved or communicated by that's right c- complex choreographed song and dance now I'm not saying that wouldn't be a world that would a real world that would be fun to live in I'm sure you know seeing if five chimney sweeps backflip down your street you know singing about you know w- w- whatever they sing about would be pretty cool but I don't know if you're issue is realism i think it's just this I'm, is 100%, the
2: anthropomorphic thing right this is a, this is a completely fair call out and i okay. accept it it makes no sense because i can totally suspend disbelief for people breaking into song and dance i can totally do it so i don't know i have some weird thing about things that shouldn't be talking yeah. <laughs> talking, and it makes no sense I see. but but let me say this about soul some Here's a really random fact, though. Do you know who did the music? No. Trent Reznor of no Nine way. Inch Nails. Whoa. Well, now you gotta so, see it. So I might have to see You're in a it. double bind. I'm yeah. in a double bind. Yeah, yeah it, I'm going to pray about it.
0: That's crazy. It's Trent Reznor. Because I know Trent, Trent Reznor, Reznor is... there He does like the David Fincher movies, but David Fincher movies He's are very He's moved into a dark. soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if I watch a Fincher movie, it's like, well, I, this is probably going to be scored by by Trent Reznor. Like, it's going to have dark yeah. and it's going to have those kind of like that industrial sort of mood to yeah. it. You know, even Social Network had this kind of ominous like tech sound to it. I would not picture him on a Pixar movie, but that does make me want to see it much, it much see more it. than I yeah. do yeah. now. It actually yeah. makes me want Lead to see it that. That.
1: Yeah. Lead with yeah. that. Push yeah. that yeah. Trent Reznor. I've been writing about Trent this movie I didn't know Trent Reznor did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. all right. Well, all right. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there opening day. <laughs> Number one this week, Louis Giglio reminds his Instagram followers about God's peace. So, Passion City Church, Louis Giglio took to Instagram today to not only announce that the church would be moving online this week, uh, but he offered some encouragement for this time to his churchgoers and to Christians everywhere. Here is a clip.
0: Hey, I just wanted to remind us today that our God is in control. All through time and history and through our lives, there have been times when it looked like everything was completely out of control. But there's never been a moment that our God was not a loving God sitting on a throne who had a purpose and a plan for your life
3: and for this world. And I just want us to remember that his word says, he will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on him. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus today. Let's keep our minds fixed on him
0: today. And let's keep our hope and our confidence alive today that our God has a
1: purpose and a plan and he is sovereign in all of this.
0: I wanted to end the Hollis, you know, that was number one item. And I looked on Instagram kind of all morning to find a, you know, a somewhat trusted voice to that was hopefully saying something encouraging. I saw a couple pastors that were encouraging people to still come to church on Sunday, which (laughs) I, I don't know if is the most responsible thing, but I thought it was You know, nice of Louis to kind of end this message by telling people that you know to to attend church online this week. But I I do the idea that he brings up of God's sovereignty, of God is in control. That's always an interesting thing to think about in times like this because Mm -hmm. it's like God is obviously we we believe that God is in can control things and is sovereign, but also He's not like a marionette who's pulling the puppet strings, and you know that's a tough thing to wrestle with. You, you know, both of you guys, I, I didn't go to Bible school. Both of you guys did. How do you think about the idea? And and I know we, you know, we're already 50 minutes into this, so we don't have to, you know, dive down a, too deep of a theological rabbit hole. But how do you guys make sense of an idea like sovereignty when it seems like there's such a lack of control in the world around us?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you asked that, Jesse, because I have the perfect answer for it. I- I'm just kidding. I, I do. Not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an important question. I, I don't. I this, don't know.
0: Listen, I thought you both went to Bible school. This should, be, yeah, this should be. should be a very simple, No.
2: But you <laughs> know what I think? I think more than Bible college, which um, I don't know, <laughs> may have hindered <laughs> my faith in, in many ways. <laughs> actually, ironically. Um, but I, I think this idea of sovereignty. Sovereignty, to me, I, I feel like I have learned more from. Travel and exposure to the world, because, and it's funny, my boyfriend and I were talking about this just last night. Like, this is the first time in our lifetime that we've had on uh, um, something that is has just been really traumatic, like affecting us. Right? In um, we haven't lived through a war, we haven't lived through a famine, you know. But it's like when you really travel the world and you see countries where pain and suffering are a constant. And I I think this is one of those sad reasons that people go on mission trips and say, I met the face of Jesus in an African child. (laughs) But in reality, it's because you've walked into a situation where people are living in difficult circumstances and they're still able to see that God is faithful, that God is sovereign. And I think there is some American privilege at play when our faith is shaken because hard things happen. Because I think in many places in the world, hard things are just a part of life. And, you know, we live in, in a time and a place and an era where we can avoid hardships like for decades you know, and then when hardships come, we're all like, "Well, is God still good?" Um, and of course, He is. But you know, I think some some of our privilege of living without a lot of pain puts us in a place of question when it comes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it, that's th- really true. Yeah, for
0: sure. And I and I think it's like we were talking about earlier. It's a reminder of the privilege that we have to to you know to live in, to, by, by no doing of our own, a lot of us were born healthy, born into the wealthiest country in the history mm-hmm. of the world. And it's easy to lose perspective that not only do most of our fellow, you know, humans that we share this planet with, not only do they not afforded these privileges, most of the people who ever walked on this earth weren't either. And right. I do feel like this is a moment to kind of grab some of that perspective and say yes god is in control but that control looks a lot different than we think it does because we see it through the lens of people mm-hmm. who have had every need provided for and have yep. had no reasons to, to you know all of the reasons i think the mm-hmm. other thing too is like a lot of anxieties that people have uh, you know in their day-to-day lives in this week might seem kind of trivial and even mm-hmm. that it, even that to to recognize is like, no, that that's, we've been pretty privileged. If, you know, the major thing I was worrying about on, on last Friday, this time, like the big thing on my mind, isn't even, I don't even, it's not even on my radar right now. You know, like it seems like, and and so I do think when we talk about God's control, it's it's important to keep that perspective of like, look, man, our life is a vapor. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a bigger thing at play here. And that's what we kind of need to rest then. And so, yeah, it's a complicated thing. But Chris, I think you articulated it really well.
1: I think that I was talking to to my wife. Anxiety is is part of her story and part of her life. She she has anxiety, and it'll it'll be something that she has to deal with for for the rest of her life. And she was re- reflecting on how uh, these past couple of days she feels like. Everybody is getting a chance to see what it's like to be her all the time yeah. uh, because yeah. she says this this uh, the, the, the panic or whatever we, we would call it. The narrative is very much that uh, this is her normal. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting for me because I realize it helps me realize how much she is always trusting to God. And and what that means on a practical level is really hard to say. I, I don't know. And I think, like you said, you both said, we have very little experience in having to do that other than obviously people who have experienced deep personal tragedy at, at some point, which is a number of our listeners certainly have. Um, so I think I, I've had to, for myself at least, just focus on the things that we do know, what God has called us to do, which is compassion, caring for others, uh, laying down our lives and uh, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And, and that's something we can do very explicitly and very practically right now. There's a lot of ways to do that. Checking in with older folks, people who might be uh, unduly uh, in in danger because of this. And uh, I know that we've talked about this at length. And and hopefully by now, there's been people who are a lot better than me at talking about this. But it's my wife who's been uh, been helpful in showing me just how uh, realist, just how, just how important it is to put this all in perspective. Um, and you all are helping me too. So yeah. thanks y'all. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back. Eugene Cho joins us.
3: Music on the of
1: my dream. Listening to music by Peter, Bjorn, and John. Well, this episode is brought to you by. Bombas. You do a lot of different things to stay active, so Bombas made a lot of different performance socks designed for everything from running to hiking to cycling and more. Whether you're very into sports or planning on getting very into sports, Bombas can help with performance socks and styles made specifically for basketball, tennis, running, golf, and more. They're made with a lightweight poly-cotton blend, which means no matter how hard you're working, your feet will stay cool, dry, and comfortable, never sweaty. Bombas Socks provide support in places you didn't even know you needed, like your arches. Each sock is built with a special arch support system that's supportive but not too tight, like a nice hug but on your foot. A foot hug. Constantly pausing your treadmill to adjust twisted, bunched up socks is enough to make anyone ready to quit. That's why Bombas are designed with left-right contouring and a Y-stitch stitched heel so they stay perfectly in place. Ever notice that annoying toe seam most socks have? That little ridge on the top? Bombas got rid of it. Gone. Dunzo. It's just smooth sailing all the way across the top of your foot. Did you know that socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters? Bombas socks were created to change that. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So go to bombas.com slash relevant today and get twenty percent off your first purchase. That's Bombas B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash relevant for twenty percent off. Bombas.com slash relevant. Well, Eugene Cho is the founder and former senior pastor of Quest Church. Uh, He's uh, an urban and multicultural, multi-generational church in Seattle. He's also the founder and visionary of One Day's Wages. It's a grassroots movement of people, stories, and actions to alleviate extreme global poverty. And he is also the new president of Bread for the World, a huge and, and very, very cool nonprofit that aims at alleviating global hunger. Congratulations to Eugene on that very cool position and to the whole organization for getting a great president. Uh, in, in Eugene's latest book, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk, A Christian's Guide to Engaging Politics, he discusses the ways that Christians can be civil in non-civil times. Unfortunately, this conversation just doesn't have a lot of relevance right now to our current day and age, Jesse. There's just no no real immediate practical application to learning how to not be a jerk about politics for Christians. I'm not even sure why we're talking about it, this. It's
0: one of the best, you know, books in terms of like a current felt need that, yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? No like, kidding. It,
1: like it's the one thing that's kind of like... It's it's part of everything. Yeah. Like the din of this is in all in all of our conversations yeah. in 2020. Yeah. You know, right? So it, it's a, it's extremely uh, practical, and, and you couldn't ask for a better guy to go through all of this than Eugene Cho, who is such a wise and, and, and obviously intelligent, but also just very compassionate person. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask him about because I think Jesse, you and I have probably noticed in our uh, own some of our writing about this over on the site is uh, is how quickly you get accused of being divisive yeah. when you talk about politics when you're a yeah. Christian. It, it's, it's a very frequent accusation. Like, why do you have to be divisive by bringing up things like uh, like maybe race or, or inequality, whether it be gender or, or class or, or, or uh, ethnicity? So I wanted to ask him how Christians should feel about that label of being de- divisive. And here's what he had to say.
3: You know, I think when someone gives a criticism like you're being divisive, Eugene, I don't want to just um, ignore it. I think we should respond and take to heart criticisms that we get, particularly from the body of Christ uh, and even those outside the larger body of Christ. I think uh, we live in a culture where there's just so much anger and outrage that maybe we become desensitized or apathetic to it and we don't take to heart some of the criticism that we're getting. But having said that, you know, I think when sometimes people bring up you're being divisive and uh, you're disrupting peace, I sometimes gently try to pastorally push back uh, because I want to have a conversation, right? Um, And I want to push back with the question is there a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping? And sometimes I think peacekeeping might be, if we're, you know, going to be blunt, it might be. A voice in our head that says, you know what, things are working well for me, let's keep the peace. Whereas peacemaking, I think, has some sort of a courage, uh, some sort of a prophetic uh, um, uh, power to be able to examine that that it might work for some, but because politics is governance for all, uh, that we need to be mindful of others. And then particularly for us as Christians, what does it mean for us as followers of Christ to be formed and transformed by the ethics of Christ embodied in God's word and his ministry?
1: And I think that's, that's something I've, I've thought about a lot. And he articulated it much better than I've ever been able to, that difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. You know, it's easy and tempting to label just not wanting to be uncomfortable as being a peacekeeper, uh, you just don't want to face the the uh, the realities of the potential need for changes to the status quo. The idea of peacemaking much more difficult. Much takes a lot more courage. Takes a lot more being willing to be made uncomfortable. But there's a lot more uh, potential fruit in doing things like that too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know,
0: it, it's it's so hard to like sometimes walk a line of like political conviction, but also want to create some unity. And that's why I think, you know, what Eugene says is so interesting because he does try to walk that balance, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that's what and we even kind of we got into that a little bit uh the the temptation there's all kinds of temptations for christians when it comes to politics all sorts of things that that you could go wrong in in, a, in multifarious ways on this he gets into well he he told me about 3 different common misconceptions he sees around how christians engage politics and political conversations
3: <laughs> Well, three things come to mind. And I think, you know, uh, maybe I know for myself, there are times I kind of dabble back and forth into these three spaces. I think one is when we choose to disengage from politics. You know, I think when I was younger, I would tell myself because I was told by other leaders of just focus on spiritual things, church, quiet time, Bible study, uh, that that was spiritual. And so engaging policies and politics was not spiritual and was of the world. And so I think there are folks for whatever reason, it could be a, what I would consider a dangerous theology. Maybe they feel apathetic, maybe they're exhausted uh, and they've cho- chosen to disengage altogether. Uh, and then there are those I think who have made, whether we can see it or not, it's become the most important thing. Um, our politics informs our theology as opposed to our theology informing our politics. And I think when we care so much about politics, whether we know it or not, it can grow to become idolatrous. And so as a result, Uh, we see everything through those filters. We justify all of our actions based upon our political ideology. And then I think there's a third group of folks. um, And I think there are folks that are engaged in politics, but we have become byproducts of what I would call cultural Christianity, um, where uh, it doesn't always parallel the life and the words and the sacrifice the grace uh, of Jesus Christ but it has become its own entity uh, enamored by power enamored by kind of willing things to be Um, and I think that's also very dangerous as well I think preachers can be guilty of this I think I can be guilty of it politicians can be guilty of it where we dabble a little Jesus and sprinkle him on top of things And uh, as a result, um, I think there is a a grave, um, it it causes a grave, I think, disservice to the witness of Christ in our world. And I think we're seeing some of that. A lot of people are being disillusioned by the witness of um, the church Christians in our world today.
1: So, Jesse, between those, those three, the idea of thinking politics just don't matter at all. Uh, the idea of thinking they matter too much—that that you get too invested in them and almost make them kind of an idol—and then that third one of kind of using a cultural Christianity as a cover for your own weird blend of of religio political beliefs. Which one do you feel like is the most prominent thing in the U.S. and the Amer- we'll limit it to American politics? I, I mean, personally,
0: right now it seems like that po- politics matter more than they do you know obviously yeah. you know in a democracy legislation impacts our lives but sort of like the day to day kind of mudslinging a lot of people you know their mood their day to day mood is affected by just the the tone on social media when it comes to politics yeah. and 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 I think it's important to to have political conviction and to you know be willing to express ideas in a civil way that hopefully lead to positive changes but also realizing at the end of the day, you know, to have an impact, there are a lot other avenues that you can take than just being involved in politics.
1: Yeah. And that's the tension, right? Is is uh, it's easy to say politics don't matter. Why do to make everything political? It's easy to say politics matter too much. Uh, why do we have to? Uh, why? We we've got to focus on and turn it into sort of the the catch all fix all to a lot of our current problems finding that balance is something that I, I think Eugene has done really well. The last thing I wanted to talk to him about and this is a complicated one I, I I appreciate him being willing to walk within this one with me is I think that most reasonable Christians who I assume are most of our listeners are are convinced that the political parties are not the answer the the two party system. God is not a Republican, God is not a Democrat, and and we don't want our faith to be defined by these parties as well. But the temptation then is to say, well, we have to be practical and realistic. You can't just choose your, your policies piecemeal to align with your faith. You have to vote within the system that we've got. The system that we've got is Republican or Democrat. So we have to throw in our lot with one of those two parties and hope for the best. So I wanted to ask him how he felt about that. If there was... If, uh, if the idea of trying to work outside of that system is just too idealistic and we need to be more practical and pragmatic. And I appreciated his willingness to engage in that complicated and obviously kind of controversial conversation.
3: I, I get that constantly as well. We're being unrealistic. And I think in many ways, when Jesus came and What about his life and ministry? I suspect that much of the criticism and pushback that he got was also, you're not being practical, pragmatic. This isn't realistic. You've got to play with the system. And so I I understand that there is a reality for us to engage real systems, real processes, the real mechanisms that exist. But I think the danger of that kind of comment is then to have an absolute defeatist fatalistic perspective and just say, uh, as a church, we're just victims of uh, the larger machine in our world. And we just have to abide by it. And I don't think that is um, reflective of the kingdom of God. Uh, I I think it's really dangerous. And while we seek to be practical, I think we also ought to be constantly mindful of Jesus, his words, You know, we're talking about Sermon on the Mount and Beatitudes being the ethics that form us. um, So I would rather... That was Eugene Cho. uh,
1: His new book, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk, Christian's Guide to Engaging Politics is out now. Uh, Thanks to Eugene and congratulations again on your new position. Has God put something in your heart to do, perhaps something bigger than just the normal routine of life, perhaps to build his kingdom and to advance his cause? My name is Jamie Dew. I'm the president of New Orleans Seminary and Level College. I want to encourage you to join us at the Towel and Basin Podcast, where we take up all issues related to the kingdom. Go to nobts.edu slash podcasts. Hope to see you there. You're listening to romantics by four well hey i think with that we will uh wrap it up uh many thanks to eugene cho thou shall not be a jerk a christian's guide to engaging in politics is out now you can order it anyway also uh thanks to hello fresh go to www.hellofresh.com slash relevant 10 use the code relevant 10 for 10 free meals including free shipping also go to bombus.com slash relevant today and get twenty percent off your first purchase. That's bombas b-o-m-b-a-s dot com slash relevant for twenty percent off bombas.com slash relevant. And a big thanks, biggest thanks. To Kristen. Kristen, thanks for joining us. I know this isn't easy to do. I know it's a tough time. I know you got kids home from school, but I, I really appreciate you being on yes, here. with thank your you wisdom. so much.
2: No, you gave me some human conversation in this very quiet day, so <laughs> it was fun. <fine. laughs>
1: Carry that with you. Carry it if with Kristen, you. Kristen, if
0: it was just Tyler and I trying to ease our audience in the in the, in the the wake of the <laughs> <laughs> coronavirus, I, I would be very nervous. But you brought some... You brought a great poise and wisdom to this conversation. We really appreciate <laughs> thank it.
1: Thank you. Your book, Rage Against the Minivan, is out on June 9th, and people can pre-order it now right yep and,
0: and, and i give it my official endorsement i have it in here so oh, people can see thank you i've been reading it; it is
1: awesome I don't know why I didn't get a copy. We don't I, Doesn't I, I requested matter? two copies. I upset. said, "Don't send
0: Tyler one, send me two. Send me two. I hoard <laughs> Thanks. things. I, I said, send me two and send toilet paper. All right? <laughs> None
2: for Tyler. Just don't use it as toilet paper. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's yeah, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And with that, hey, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jen the String. I'm Jesse Carey.
2: I'm Kristen Howerton.
1: Have a great, safe weekend, everyone. We'll see you next week.
0: Sit him down with Coach for a while.
3: Relevant Podcast Network.